0: I think probably the most important thing, Nate, is to put the responsibility on yourself to make sure the communication happens. Uh, So often I hear excuses of things like language barrier, they weren't there, all these different things. When you eliminate those excuses and you put the onus on yourself to take care of that, half the battle is met. People will allow you to struggle through a couple miscommunications or miscues if they know that you're trying to communicate with them.
1: Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. I'm your host, Nate. I'm your host, Brian. And we have an exciting new interview for you. As we did in part one, we're breaking down the topic of cutting the confusion out of your communication. And in this particular case, we have a new interview with Mike Vavrick. He is the call center manager with us here at One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and helps answer the calls for Ben Franklin and Mr. Sparky as well. Uh, But before you tune out, because he's not a technician, uh, make sure you stop and, and hear what he has to say, because the art of communication really goes beyond just the location of where the conversation's happening. Uh, There's a lot of universal principles and Mike has a really strong gift in communication. So we're excited to have him on here. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, buddy. Pumped to have you here finally. And uh,
2: despite the fact that I was just about to check out until Nate said that, I'm glad you're here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. Thanks, Brian. Uh, That's what most of our users do every single week when they hear your voice. All right, so uh, Mike, it's good to have you on, and we typically start off these conversations by getting to know you a little bit. Um, Obviously, I'm going to guess you don't have much experience in the actual trade, so why don't you just kind of give us a little bit of history about yourself and how you wound up here. Yeah, so um,
0: I actually wound up here. uh, One of my close friends, Caleb Harnish, uh, was working in HR at the time. Uh, He's Uh, been featured on our podcast before, actually. He certainly has. he uh we had worked together at a previous job and he had sort of hit me up multiple times telling me to come over here that the culture was phenomenal the opportunities were phenomenal and you know where he was felt like it was a waste of uh my talent and after you know sort of uh passing that off quite a few times I finally agreed to come in uh, and I interviewed with Nate um and yeah sort of went one way and uh it's been a fun ride ever since. But prior to that, like you said, Nate, I don't really have any experience in uh, the technical world. I went to college uh, down in North Carolina to be
1: a lawyer and uh, decided at the very last moment that that wasn't for me. And that's why you have we have you on about a uh, conversational podcast. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: it's not gonna be fixing water heaters or uh, <laughs>
1: you know replacing motors or anything. You got that lawyer background.
0: Yeah, you know? lawyer, that's how they say it down there. That's right. Um, and then yeah, so I moved back up to Pennsylvania and I worked actually in the medical field in the ER setting for about five years. Um, and that's actually really where some of my communication skills took off, uh, working in an ER uh, with drug and alcohol and psych patients, communicating with uh, insurance agents, uh, physicians, people who were crazy, people who were under the influence and family members, and having to do that uh, you know, in the span of an hour of talking to maybe six different types of people and learning how to have those conversations and so ever since then I've just sort of been utilizing those skill sets and honing those skill sets uh, and
1: I landed myself here and it's been a fun ride ever since. It's a really unique background Mike especially the trajectory of of events there where you went from you know lawyer or or at least in the track of the lawyer into the medical field and then into like customer service and things like that so I mean, what was kind of some of the deciding factors there from one to one to one? Sure. So growing up, um,
0: I have family members who are lawyers. um, And I thought that's what I always wanted to be because I saw, you know, a small faction of what they did on a day to day basis. And that was trial lawyers. And, you know, I took classes because I was great at communicating. I was great at debating all those things. Um, But I started to realize that before you can actually try cases, you need to do research, and you're basically a <laughs> professional researcher. That small and, little thing. <laughs> uh, for anyone who's seen my work here, uh, that's probably not a great skill set. Um, <laughs> I'm good at communicating. I'm not great at the uh, finer details, and so if someone was entrusting me to research the details for a court case, it wasn't going to be a good use of my skill set. Um, but my mom worked in the medical uh, profession her whole life and I do actually have people in my family who are physicians as well and so she was the one that got me the job working at the hospital so it was just sort of a natural progression um, and I was able to utilize those communication skills that I had developed to quickly learn um, psychological medical drug and alcohol terms to excel in that field but it really wasn't for me like I loved the business aspect um, and then I started getting more into the business world I do have a degree. Uh, Business management as well. Um, And so that sort of started to develop. And when I worked uh, for the person I worked for before here with the Webstrand store, uh, again, that was much more analytical uh, use of um, my brain, uh, combining that customer skills, service skills with uh, what makes business sense. And that, I think, is finally what
1: landed me here, uh, which is... Uh, again, not a path that I would recommend. <laughs> <laughs> that is certainly not one that many people will travel. I, I don't think so.
0: Yeah, it's, it's got a lot of missteps that, you know, I learned a lot along the way, but, you know, I don't know that that was. I certainly didn't have call center manager at Roar's one hour in mind when I was taking <laughs> pre law classes at the University <laughs> of North Carolina. <laughs> Your professor would be proud. Probably. <laughs>
1: you know, it, it ended up
0: working out um, as a blessing in disguise, but yeah. You
1: know, any good lawyer jokes?
0: Uh, just the, like about killing lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> busloads of them going over hills. <laughs> just in case his family listens to this podcast, we'll skip the
1: lawyer jokes. <laughs> They've heard worse. From uh, better people. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, yeah, it's good to have you on, Mike. And I think that diverse background there has actually allowed you to excel in communication because each of those roles, while perhaps opposing in nature or, uh, you know, the, the traditional skill set, you might say, have a common bond of needing to be able to communicate and communicate well. Obviously, uh, most lawyers out there certainly know how to talk. Uh, I think the medical field requires clear and concise communication because oftentimes there's a lot of opportunity to miss the mark on whether it's prescription or diagnosis or just counsel, whatever it may be. Um, And then, of course, obviously the customer service world uh, requires a lot of that, too. So kind of a unique journey that has prepared you perhaps in many ways uh, rather unconventional, but certainly real uh, to be prepared to help us out here. And I think you can continue to lend your help on the podcast for us with this subject. Awesome. So jumping in here, we're focusing on cutting the confusion out of communication. So let's just start there. Why in in nature is there confusion in your conversation in communication?
0: Um, So there's a multitude of different reasons that there's going to be confusion, Uh, whether it's, you know, the person isn't listening uh, wholeheartedly, as maybe a certain person on this podcast may have experienced from time to time. Huh? Um, You guys looked at me. What what, what did I miss? (laughs) But, I mean, ultimately, communication breaks down um, because the person who is communicating to the person who's listening doesn't do a good job of understanding what they need to hear. And I believe that a person who is good at communicating, they don't view their job as done until you, the listener, understands what I have to say. And so whether that's you don't understand jargon that I'm using, or I'm speaking too quickly, or I'm speaking in analogies that don't make sense to you, oftentimes there's a number of different things that break down. You know, My current role uh, has me speaking predominantly just to people over the phone. Uh, So there's always all those other things that communication has, physical gestures, body motions, all of those things that can't be picked up. So over the phone, it's even more critical that your words are concise and clear and lack any sort of ambiguity. Um, But effective communication is just making sure that there's nothing left to chance and that you're constantly checking to make sure the person you're speaking to understands what you're trying to get.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a term for that, the mutual mystification, which we've used on this podcast before. Explain that out for us again. The mutual mystification component? That's right. Yeah, so uh, if
0: I'm communicating to someone, um, and in this world, you know, in the trades, I'm, I'm talking to a lot of homeowners who know nothing about the trades. And, you know, over the last two and a half years here, I've certainly learned some terms that maybe uh, would make me sound somewhat technically proficient, you know, and I can communicate those things to them and I can say those technical jargon, or I can make sure that they understand what I actually need to do. And that's, my job is to make sure that they get a technician out who can solve their problem. Um, but if, if i think that they're understanding what i'm talking about it, and they think they don't know we develop that mutual mystification i think this idea came from uh, a term that we used in the call center before and it was uh, a phrase guaranteed no time frame which is a meaningless phrase that csrs over years of seeing it listed on the screen thought they knew what it meant um, but it was meaningless to the customer and when I got here, we started to workshop that phrase to make sure that the customer understood that guaranteed no time frame actually was a shortened statement of, it's a guaranteed appointment for today with no exact time frame. So making sure that before you just say it's a guaranteed no time frame and and assume that customer knows exactly what that means, you actually make sure before you explain the jargon or those words
1: that the customer knows what you're trying to do. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense and something that i think uh you know comes up frequently in the field uh in the technician world where you know, you're on one page talking about a term or a phrase or a tool or a part and the customers just kind of nodding their head like yep mm mm-hmm, mhm 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 and then you walk away from that conversation both thinking that you understood what was going on there meanwhile both of you are not on the same page
2: right yeah it was this 2 to 6 no time frame we have <laughs> windows that are 8 to nine, ten to 1 uh 1 to 4 two to six guaranteed and then we had a two to six no no time frame window in success where that when I was a technician I would get to the to these calls and I would have homeowners say I did not understand what they were saying they said it's a two to six but they weren't guaranteeing the window but like you guys have two to 6s that they're guaranteed I, I was very confused and I used to talk to our at that time our our uh, dispatchers and say, can't we just not say that anymore? And I would get pushback, and I, I could never figure out why. It was just like, well, that's what it says on the screens. <laughs> so so that's what we say. And I, I picture Ron Burgundy uh, <laughs> just reading anything that's put on the teleprompter. <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy? What's that? I'm Ron Burgundy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, from Anchorman, <clears throat> just literally reading anything that's put up there. Um, and I, I just brought up to Mike, I said, we don't really have people balk at the, um, no time frame appointment anymore. Like we used to lose a lot of those calls inbounding because people didn't want that time frame. And I asked him what changed. And he said, the verbiage of of what we called that time frame changed dramatically. So instead of just being, well, we'll put you in the new two to six, no time frame window. Um, but it's not guaranteed, but uh they will be there before midnight. We guarantee that part and and it went from just very confusing to what he trained his people to say now, which is just we do have an appointment available for you today. we'll give you a call when we're heading over, and that's that i mean it was it was literally just guarantee we'll be there today, we'll give you a call when we're heading over um and I don't know what percentage that brought up our booking ratio for that time frame, but i that's why we're doing this episode of the podcast, because of that conversation. I just said, man, how many things do we miss or <clears throat> um, unknowingly mislead our, our clients on um, or or just confuse the people we serve by, by saying something that means everything to us and nothing to them um, or that we understand perfectly, which is the, the definition of jargon. We understand it perfectly, but they have no idea what we're talking about, so whether it's booking an appointment or, you know, sell, selling some indoor air quality or or uh, water treatment, <clears throat> just for the simple fact that we're saying terms that are making them more confused, it's making them less likely to purchase from us and more likely to tell us, I have to think about it.
1: Yeah, Brian, that's a good point. And, and I'm glad we kind of got an example out there as to the power of communication and the power of miscommunication at the same time. It, it can go both directions. Um, obviously, good communication can lead to great results, and conversely, bad communication can lead to catastrophe. So, Mike, most of our audience and this podcast is designed to be for service professionals in the home, whether plumbers, technicians, electricians, whatever it may be. But like I said at the beginning, you know, communication is fairly universal in its approach, the, uh, the, the direction I want to go now is kind of the, um, the typical investigator questions, you know, the who, what, when, where, how, right? Mm-hmm. And where I want to start with is the who. Obviously, you've, w- with your background and experience in education, are things that you've looked at throughout the years. You've understood different personalities. So let's focus on the who first. When you are having a conversation and you're trying to eliminate confusion from a conversation, How do you deal with different personality types? How do you deal with, you know, the more direct person who's just like right to the point as opposed to the person who just wants to kind of like gab and gab and gab about this, that and whatever? How do you handle that? And what is the type of uh, confusion that can occur? And how do you address it? Yeah. So, I mean, I think probably the most important thing is speaking to people
0: how they would want to be spoken to. And the easiest way to discern that is how is that person speaking to you in that moment? Um, and taking into account a number of different things. Not only what they're saying to you, but you know, if you're in the home, realizing what type of home you're in. Are you in the home of a physician? Are you in the home, you know, of another tradesperson? You know, all the information that you can gather about that person to help cater the conversation so it makes the most sense to them is going to go miles for you, right? So, you know, you talk about Uh, people who are maybe short or different personality types. You know, if you're speaking to a physician, you know, you can be even more specific than that, right? It can still be a uh, physician who's talkative and gabby, or it can be a physician who's directly to the point. And if I'm speaking to a physician who's direct and to the point, I want to make sure that my words are concise, my words are exact. And, you know, I might use a, a higher tiered language, purposefully to make sure that they both know that we're communicating on the same level. And if I'm in a different type of person's home, you know, a more lay person's home, I'm not going to use a $25 word when a 50 cent word will suffice. I, I think that is one of the most basic things is knowing your audience. And if you're unsure, always use the less, lesser word, right? If you're unsure if the person understands the jargon, don't use the jargon. It doesn't help you more than it hurts you. Um, But pick up your communication keys from the customer. They will give them to you immediately. You know, if you come up to the home and they're in straight panic mode, match that. Understand and acknowledge the urgency so that you can communicate to them how you're going to get rid of that panic. If you, you know, have a customer who's panicking that their water heater is leaking in their finished basement and you're like, hey, Brian, it's really great to see you. That is a beautiful picture of your family. I mean, they will, I don't care <laughs> beautiful how. Beautiful family. <laughs> you, <laughs> you will throw them out the window. Time to buy some windows. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you will, you will go bananas at that. But if, you know, if I go to your home and I acknowledge the urgency of the situation at hand, you know, I'm hearing you immediately say what the need is. And we, we eliminate that confusion, right, by I'm, I'm listening to what you need. And if I don't know, I'm going to ask. And if I'm unsure, if we're on the same page, I'll stop. I'll check myself and make sure, hey, Brian, are we on the same page here, right? Whether that's a literal check-in or just like, hey, are, are you cool with this process, right? I'm going to go take a look at the water heater right now, and then I will go through my process and let you know what we're doing. As opposed to, you know, you may need to alter certain things, to make sure that you're speaking to the customer in the way they want to be spoken to.
1: Right. So understanding the who that you're talking to is is both visual and um, hearing. So you're using your eyes, you're using your ears, you're picking up on kind of what they're laying down subtly.
0: Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if I'm a technician, before I even go into the home, I'm going to take, you know, cues as far as like, Is the home immaculate? Is it not immaculate? I'm going to take cues about how they're dressed, how, you know, all of those things I'm trying to take in so I can understand how to best communicate to them. Again, that language piece being 7% is so much more. And, like, you know, it's not a stretch to say, like, a person who is exact about the way they keep their lawn is probably going to be more likely to be exact about their language as well and want to make sure that
1: there is no confusion. So... Okay, so speaking of confusion on that, I mean, give us a, an example of how uh, misunderstanding the who that you're talking to can can bring confusion. Sure. Um,
0: I mean, if you're speaking to a person and, you know, to use a technical uh, scenario, if I'm speaking to a person because I think they know what I'm talking about and Let's say Brian does plumbing. So I talk to a customer about a gas power vented 50 gallon water heater. And they think that their hot water just comes from, you know, turning on the faucet. You know, if I'm talking about the power venting of the situation, and they don't even know that that means the piping that allows the, you know, gaseous fumes to go out of there, we're not on the same page, right? And so I can be using all this great terminology and talking to you about how, you know, potentially dangerous something is in your home, but if you don't even know that the power vent is how that gets out of the home, it doesn't matter. Everything else that I'm going to say to you afterwards is going to be completely lost upon the c- customer. And, you know, even if you miss that first part, I mean, I can't tell you how many times if you miss the first part of a conversation, people's eyes just glass over, right? Uh, and, you know, whether it's in the technical world Anything, you know, if I'm talking to one of the people uh, that I oversee, like if I miss the mark early on, they just glass over. Right. And I'm two minutes into explaining to them what I need done before I realize they're not even paying attention. Like they they missed the first exit here. And that that all falls back to me.
1: Yeah. So if you're in the field and you see the eyes on your customer (laughs) just kind of start drifting away from you, you have probably misunderstood the who that you're talking to.
0: Absolutely. And, and again, you know, remembering that we're in business, you know, predominantly because people don't want to deal with those things and don't know how to deal with those things, but they want to trust that we do. And so taking the time to explain to them why we're there and how we're going to help will go so, so far in building that trust throughout the rest of the communication. I mean, you don't need to explain to them, you know, how you're going to use this flange in this particular manner. But if they, at least in that initial part of the communication, understand what you're there to do and how you're willing to take time to try and explain it to them, that typically goes a long way with most people.
1: All right, Mike. So I think that covers the who uh, fairly well. The next detective question that we would ask is the what. So identify what you're talking about, right? And this is where we get into the idea of jargon, trade terms, tech talk, buzzwords, and all those types of things. Talk to us about the confusion that can come out of not understanding what you should be saying. Um, So in my world, I would say probably
0: an example I hear or I see pretty regularly is when the customer calls in with a specific thing because they don't know what to ask for. Uh, We were talking about this the other day, Nate, you and I. Um, A customer may may call in and say in the AC world, what does it cost to get an AC tune-up? Um, Or what does it cost to, you know, get an AC maintenance? And what they're actually trying to tell you is their air conditioner is not working, right? Their air conditioner is not working. And they looked up like how to fix an AC and tune up, you know, you don't know what missteps got you to that world. But some people talk about a tune up as like this fixes air conditioners. And some people talk about a tune up as like this cleans the air conditioner And making sure that you're very quickly on the same page but I can't tell you how many times I've listened to a call that a customer service rep has taken where a customer says, what's it cost to get the AC tuned up they say you know they say our price everybody moves forward we go to a time frame and then I look at the notes later on the tech goes out the air conditioner wasn't working it was low on refrigerant we never asked any questions throughout the process because we just assumed that that what we were talking about the same thing. And I think particular in this industry, there is a lot of overlap of that sort of uh, terminology.
1: Yeah, so how does how do you think that plays itself out in the field with the buzzwords and, you know, kind of using those terms that get thrown around, uh, you know, from a technical standpoint, uh, terms like PSI, Delta T, PPM, you uh, GFCI, all this stuff, like it sounds very impressive, right? But does it actually help you in your conversation? So I, I would imagine that that translates very similar to how it works in the
0: medical field. Maybe for an instant, it develops some sort of um, legitimacy to the person you know, uh, in the medical field. Think about it, the difference between saying kidney and renal, right, um, PSI as opposed to just pressure. Um, is it really helping you communicate to that person better, right? So um, if the PSI, you know, if you know you're talking to someone that knows what PSI means, yes, it can elevate that level of the conversation. But in general, if you don't and you say PSI and you're trying to explain to someone like what that actually means and how that's going to help them or how that's going to affect their day-to-day life, just talk about what the word actually means or, you know, to be perfectly transparent. I don't know what Delta means in this terminology uh, in what it would mean for an HVAC tech. I thought he was talking about the faucet manufacturer. (laughs) Right, and so, you know. Now we're way off. (laughs) You know, and, and all of those things continue to contribute to confusion. You know, if you're looking for that brief moment of someone, you know, being impressed by what you know, you can, yeah, you can rattle off a bunch of fun words, but if you're actually trying to get the customer to understand the issue or understand the options that you're presenting to them, simplistic terms, putting things in layman terms, and taking the time, you know, to help them understand the why. So people, I know that's not exactly where we are, but people will go, that will go miles for people when you do take that time. And the, young, the
2: younger you are in, in the trade, the more um, apt you are to, or you're, you're extremely likely to use these um, Big technical words that you just recently learned, and why? Fancy. Um, partly because you're you're proud of yourself and should be for for knowing what they mean and knowing how these these systems come together.
1: Look, Maul, I can spell without my fingers. <laughs> well, I
2: didn't say I can spell, them. <laughs> but um, and you should be proud of yourself for what you've accomplished. But the other thing is, is you know, I don't I don't care if it's a new car or um, you know you just got into cryptocurrencies or, you know, the keto diet or you just started working out. As soon as you get into something new and, and it's fresh to you, you want to talk about it, you want to share it, you want to get other people into it. It's just it's just how we're wired. Um, but you have a job to do as soon as you're talking to that that homeowner. And that job is to fix their problem, show them their problem, show them the solution and the the most simplistic way possible so that they know exactly what you're talking about and you have to keep in mind early in your career that now is not the time to show off your technical vocabulary because nothing will take you out of a great transaction and a win-win-win for the company client and technician faster than confusing them and send you to the land of uh, you know, someday aisle, as Brian Tracy would call it, um, off on that island, someday aisle where they'll they're they're putting a magnet on your card and sticking it to the refrigerator and saying, "Let me let us talk about it and think about it, and we'll get back to you." And you know, most of your customers aren't lying to you in that in that moment. There, um, we've all in the field seen it so many times; they mean it. They're a hundred percent positive that they're going to sit down together and carve out some time to talk about all the things that their their electrician, Nate, just told them and chop it all up and then call Nate back. But um, guess what happens? The same thing that happens to us is they, they get busy and they get back to living their lives and they forget all about what Nate told them and they forget about that magnet and that card stuck to the refrigerator and they just go on living and they don't get back to you where if you had not gotten confusing in that moment and lost them with a bunch of technical words that didn't need to be there. You could very well have had that, that sale and been installing that product while you were there the first time.
1: Yeah, forgetting what Nate told them does seem to be a common theme. Uh, Who? Hey, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it's definitely a pride thing, right? And, and so uh, for the listeners out there, I want you to check yourself on this right now. Who are you there to serve in the home? Are you there to serve your own ego by using all kinds of fancy terms and talking circles around somebody who never went to school to do anything that you're doing? Or are you there to serve them and get on their level and help them understand why you're there? That, that's really what we're talking about.
0: Yeah, um, there's, a, there's a good word for that, right, Nate? It's sophomoric, right? It's a, a word that basically says, you know, when, if you think back to high school when you were a sophomore, you thought you had it figured out. Oh, yeah, sophomore, uh, professional, is going to be the person who uses that jargon you know and instead of being a professional and communicate you're using words that are unnecessary to use uh in that in that time and place and it's easy to
2: do man because i was a very young technician very um and i was probably hitting calls on my own at 17 back in 97 in uh detroit and not like I was in my own truck full-time, but there were the occasional call. I would just go hit on my own. And I remember even into my early twenties, getting to the door and being asked if like the plumber was right behind me or where's your dad? Ha, 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 cause even in- <laughs> To be in fair, that, Brian, people still ask that when you show up. <laughs> they, they, um, I mean, I looked extremely young, uh, in my twenties and even into my late twenties. So when I would, when I would speak overly technically. And use some um, some of the technical language in the in the field. It would lend credit to uh, credibility to my to my age, and would make me feel like they thought I knew my profession better. But that wasn't that wasn't the way to do it. Uh, it took me a while to learn that confusing them with words they didn't understand made me feel a little bit better. Because now, hey, I get to beat my chest a little bit and. I'm the professional and see haha! I I know more than you do about this was not conducive to them doing business with me whatsoever. (laughs) It didn't, it didn't help the ultimate goal. Um, And as you know, David Sandler of Sandler training would say, I was there trying to get my needs met uh, instead of meeting that client's need. And their need was just to have a better, more efficient working plumbing system. I was trying to get my need met by showing them, hey, see, I do know what I'm talking about. Um, and my end goal should, should have been based
1: on the client and not myself. Absolutely. Uh, get rid of that crutch. It's just hurting you more than anything else. All right, Mike, so we understand who. You, you want to take a look at in your communication, who are you talking to, and remove all confusion from that. You want to take a look at what you're saying. Words have meaning. They have the meaning to belittle or to build choose wisely in what you do. Let's take a look at understanding when, all right? So when, when do you speak, when do you listen? And I think this is something that a lot of uh, service professionals perhaps get wrong because once you get downstairs or wherever you are to the issue and you do your thing and you sit back down at the table, it is just time to talk, baby, because I got a story to tell. So help us understand when it's appropriate to talk, when it's appropriate to listen, and how to avoid confusion in that manner.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great question and probably one of the most important uh, components to this whole conversation. Um, I generally try and teach the people that I work with that you should be talking about 30% of the time. The, the customer should be speaking to you about 70%. Um, well, In my world, uh, we record every call and you can actually see like a recording of like who's talking. And like the customers uh, will show like decibels when they're talking on the top of the call and my CSRs will show on the bottom. And I will sometimes pull up a call for a CSR and not even have them listen to it, but I'll just have them look to see why were you talking for this seemingly three minute span without this customer ever saying a word. How are you possibly knowing that they're paying attention, et cetera, et cetera, without doing that? Um, the the best way to know when to talk is to listen, right? One of the worst things is when you get into that sort of like, no, you talk, no, you go, you go, you go. Um, I like to have control of conversations and anyone who knows me, that's a big thing that I do. The best way to have control of the conversations is to ask questions, So rather than tell a customer what you want them to hear, ask them what they want to hear. And if they just say, hey, Nate, I just want to hear your professional advice, that's when you have your opportunity to go on a two-minute soapbox about why your electrical solution is so great for them. But if you provide them the opportunity to speak to you, you're going to go worlds better. Everybody likes to hear themselves talk, right? (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, Brian, right?
2: No, I don't know what
1: you mean. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that is a big deal there about asking questions because one of the easiest ways to get confusion in a conversation is by not asking questions or not clarifying what's going on. And you can do so, uh, you can get on your soapbox or or do your conversation or tell your story or whatever while still engaging. I mean, you said about like you can go on a two-minute rant well, even within that, you can still engage with the customer and you can like ask qualifying questions like, are you with me, Mike? Or like, Hey, you know, am I making sense here? Is that clear? Like, do you have an understanding of what I'm talking about to kind of re-engage them in the process as opposed to just, you know, going through your 10 point bullet outline and you get to the end of it, and you're wrapping up this beautiful conclusion and they're still stuck back on point two because something that you said in there got them confused but you just kept on blitzing through it because you had a thing to do. You had to talk. So asking questions and pausing frequently within your your dialogue to check in with the client is a really good thing and prevents that confusion from just kind of growing up. A hundred percent, Nate. And
0: I mean, I would strongly encourage to anyone who's trying to get better at this to not have a script. You know if you think that you have the perfect presentation whether it's for water heaters or water softeners or hvac or whether it's you know you take calls please 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 don't have a script um we don't have a script here in the office for a very specific reason and that's to allow the person to be dynamic in communication right and we hire for people who can communicate as such the only way to have those dynamic conversations is if i'm asking you questions during the investigative part of our conversation. And then when I do get to talk, my answer is molded to the questions that I asked earlier, right? So whether it's my CSR selling service plans over the phone or whether it's, you know, Brian's plumbers presenting water treatment options, you know, if you listen to what they want, that's gonna go worlds better. And you can talk about the three things that this product or this service or whatever will do for them, specifically tailored to what questions you just asked and what needs they just told you they have, as opposed to reading 10 bullet points. If I read you 10 bullet points about what a product can do, but
1: only three are relevant to you, what do you think is going to happen? Well, it depends how fast they're relevant to me, but you might lose me before we even get to the ones that are relevant. Sure. Or you'll lose me after them because I'm now bored. Yeah, or maybe they think they're paying for something they don't need, right?
0: If seven of the 10 items that are included in a product have nothing to do with my needs, why would I pay for this product if only three of them get what I want? But if I think that this product that Brian is presenting me with me sounds like it was tailor-made in the factory for my family's needs, I'm a lot more likely to listen. And people do have, we all have short attention spans, especially if it's not you know, exactly what we wanna hear. Yeah, that's a great point. If you're 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 basically trying to sell
2: somebody a uh, water softener with an acid neutralizer, which would be specifically for uh, somebody who lives on a well, to somebody who lives on municipal water, is what they would be feeling like. Like, I don't have acidic water. I don't live on a well. Why are you trying to sell me all these extra um, features for this product? Um, and you lose the sale basically by jumping up and down. Um, On features of the product that the homeowner is not interested in or doesn't care about and that's something that's really easy to do uh, as a as a an amateur salesperson is this thing has five benefits I need to talk about all five I I need to sell them on the idea that they really want or need all five when they only care about one Um, and the only way you're gonna find that out is is asking questions before you start presenting
1: all right, Mike. So, it's important to know when to talk. Um, not only to make sure that you're listening a lot, but to not rush in with answers to unasked questions. That's all really important and timing is key there, I'm sure. Let's focus on the where. Uh obviously I know most of the calls that you're taking um are calls, so they're over the phone, so where isn't really as much of an option for you, but for our listeners in the field, where is really important. Where are you having the conversation? Are you are you standing outside the door while they're in the house and the door is open and all they can think about is the heat expense that they're losing out the front door? Are you sitting down at the, uh, at the table or the couch while the TV's blasting in the background and the dogs are barking? How does where come into eliminating confusion from your conversation? Sure. So
0: I think context is extremely important. So even over the phone, if I have to have a tough conversation with a customer... Before we even get started, I'm going to make sure the, that they at least have 20 minutes and they're at a spot where we can talk, right? Do you have time for me to talk to you about this issue? For a technician in the home, I, I think probably the best place is going to be at the table or somewhere where you can both sit down, you can see each other, you can see um, all of those physical cues that we talked about earlier in the podcast. Um, and where there's as few distractions as possible, right? So I know in a lot of people's living rooms, maybe there's a TV, maybe there's windows and stuff. Generally, I do think a, a kitchen table is probably the best, um, but I, I wouldn't shy away from, as a technician, having conversations by the thing that you're talking about as well. Use those physical um, things to your, to your benefit, right? Um, if you're talking about uh, hard water, there's nothing wrong with having part of the conversation, at least, by their dishwasher, or by their faucet, where they can see the physical effects of those things. Maybe when you sit down to talk about all those resolutions, that, you know the bulk of that should happen at the dinner table where you can see them and make sure that they're listening to you. But again, use those physical
1: cues that you can uh, throughout the entire time. Yeah, and I think in today's world with the ability to take camera, you know, with you wherever you go uh, and take photos, take videos, bring a part along, you know, even if you can't necessarily get to the place under the sink or whatever that you were working at or up in the attic or in the dingy basement and you want to be somewhere clean, you can still do show and tell, which is, I think, what you're getting at there uh, because the the where, um, where you're at in that conversation, the physical location whether you can't be there or not, you can bring whatever you're talking about to the place of the conversation, like the table. You can bring that breaker to the table. You can bring that filter to the table. You can bring, um, you know, GFCI outlet to the table and show it to them. And so the idea there is finding that quiet, undistracted place to have the conversation. Absolutely.
0: And and no going into it, right, every barrier that you bring into that, you need to overcome that much more, right? So Uh, unfortunately over the phone there are a lot of barriers that we need to go to get across in order to make sure that that communication is done effectively and so you know while a picture is great it's not always worth a thousand words right if you're just showing a picture of the effects of something rather than the customer feeling touching seeing smelling that actual thing that's fine but in your communication make sure that you're talking about that don't just say see brian look at the rust that's occurring on your faucet. I mean, talk about the effects, be articulate, be purposeful about expressing all of the things that if they were right there in the moment that they would experience. And, you know, that's what we do over the phone, just paint a picture. And, you know, if the picture's there, you talk about it, you express it, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Um, And yes, make sure that they have your undivided attention, but don't, anytime there's something to overcome, don't cheap- cheapen out on communicating what what you're trying to express.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mike, so we've covered the who, the what, the when, the where. Um, Most likely we'd go into why right now, but I think that's kind of (laughs) self-explanatory, right? I mean, why is it important to have clear communication? Because when you don't, you have confusion and nobody wants to live in that world. So with your permission, I just want to jump into the how, which I think is kind of the last important key here to avoiding communication uh, with confusion. And that's, that's, you know, how are you going about the communication? So how do things like analogies, metaphors, um, tone, body language, how does that all play into either confusion or clarity within communication?
0: Yeah, so (laughs) all of those things, I mean, do you want to go through them one by one? Let's Let's start with analogies and metaphors. Great. So these are, you know, sort of a, they can be the most powerful thing in helping a customer understand what you're trying to communicate or the most destructive thing that you could possibly have done in the communication, right? I mean, everybody knows that Brian is absolutely fantastic at analogies. And that, I mean, that's an absolute gift in the sense that he's able to talk about something in a way that people will make it make sense to them, you know, and he's very gifted in, He's not going to hit me with a plumbing analogy because he knows I don't know what the heck I'm talking about with plumbing, right? He's, analogies are great if you can use that gift to make it make sense for the person, but if you're just making something that doesn't really make sense and then use an analogy that also misses, you've, you've probably lost that customer. If I'm trying to explain to you, Nate, the call center and then I compare it to you know an example of living down in North Carolina and you've never lived there. You're like, I don't understand the call center or life in North Carolina, so this was a complete waste of time. As opposed to like, like I know technicians don't always love the analogies that we use here in the office um, because they, they break down at certain po- points. So you know, we talk sometimes about like an AC maintenance being similar to getting the oil changed in your car. And there's some parts of that analogy that are great and that the customer understands that it's a regular tune-up thing, it's a regular cleaning. Um, but there's also some things like, you know, oil breaks down over time. There's some analogies that break
1: down and aren't perfect. So is, uh, is it good to use analogies, and metaphors? Is it bad? Do you just have to pick the right ones? How do you avoid the confusion? I I
0: would stay away from an analogy unless you are a hundred percent sure that it's going to remove confusion. If, if analogy is great when you hit confusion and you can help If you were listening earlier on in the conversation to the customer or you took note of something in their home that you can compare it to it's a phenomenal way of eliminating that confusion but if you're just throwing one that you think is going to work because it worked for someone else it's you're really rolling the dice that that's going to be an effective way
1: to communicate all right so let's switch over to body language and tone Um, that's important too in communication Not only is it important to read, visually read, what your client is doing in front of you as Mm -hmm. far as how they're standing, how they're looking, how the tone of their voice is, but also in your own uh, presentation, how you are standing, how you are looking, and how you are sounding as well, right? A hundred percent. We carry
0: so much in how we hold ourselves. And you know this is great because we talk about this even uh, in the office here. Even though customers can't see us, I am a big fan of if you are having a tough conversation, pace around. But make sure, like, have that conversation like that person is there in real life. Don't fold your arms across if you're listening to someone because it sounds like you're discontent. You, be purposeful about that language. But also, you know, if you start to pick up on those cues, you when you start to be aware of your own body, um, sort of different traits and uh mannerisms that you give you start to be able to pick up on other people's as well right if you catch yourself like moderately rolling your eyes you might start looking for those things or uh, one of the biggest things I think people don't aren't aware they do are they sigh it's a heavy sigh and it's an oftentimes very confusing thing are you tired are you bored are you frustrated are you angry it's a it's a mannerism that has a number of different meanings and it's not helpful for you to do but it's important to pick up when the customer is doing those things. If they sigh, are you boring them? You know, or, or are they just tired? Maybe you should sit down. But just being aware, and it just makes you hyper-present in the conversation. When you're looking for those things, again, it means you are 100% engaged. Yeah, nonverbal cues being vast majority of our conversation.
2: Tonality, uh, ticks, and body language are... I don't know what seventy something I don't know over ninety percent of the yeah, conversation where the words we're actually saying, not how we're saying them, but the words we're using are less than ten percent of the actual conversation so you know kudos on one hand for Mike and his team being so good at what they do out of this building um, without actually being able to see anything that the the person on the other end of the phone is doing, but they're very good at understanding the words clients are using and, uh, the ton- tonality more importantly that
1: they're using, which you can pick up on the phone. Absolutely, Brian. All right, Mike. So we made it the whole way through here and I think there's some really good stuff there. Uh, a lot of it we could unpack for individual episodes just by themselves, but I kind of want to give you the last word here as we wrap up our topic on, uh, eliminating confusion from your conversation. like. What are some key factors to remember uh, for our techs out in the, in the field who are doing this on a daily basis? What are some key things that they should focus on to make sure that they are cutting as much confusion out as possible? I think probably the most important thing, Nate, is to put
0: the responsibility on yourself to make sure the communication happens. Uh, so often I hear excuses of things like language barrier, they weren't there, all these different things. When you eliminate those excuses and you put the onus on yourself to take care of that, half the battle is met. People will allow you to struggle through a couple miscommunications or miscues in a conversation if they know that you're trying to communicate with them. And, And so truly, if you take it as your personal mission to make sure that you are being understood, it'll go a long way with the customer.
1: Yeah, seek first to understand before you seek to be understood. Yeah,
0: and so, you know, the, the seven habits of highly effective people, like it's certainly relevant in that, um, but seriously, do not ever put it on someone else to make sure that communication is happening. Communication happens when the person who is doing the uh, delivering of the message knows for sure that the person who's receiving it understands. That's when communication is complete. And if you're the one that's delivering the message, make sure you complete the cycle by any means necessary. And I know that there's a multitude of things that come up that there, there are language barriers. there are you know, people with hearing disabilities, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. There's so many different things we have today in our society to overcome those. Just be willing to overcome those and be willing to clean up your side of the street so that at the end of it, you've done your job in making sure.
1: I love it, Mike. Really good stuff today uh, as we focus on cutting the confusion out of your communication. Uh, I'm sure there's much more to this topic that we could explore perhaps on further podcasts, but it's been a pleasure to have you on, Mike. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we can't let you go without doing a little bit of rapid fire questions for you at the end here. (laughs) Neat. Everybody
2: turns red when he says that. For those who can't, uh, you know, for everybody outside of this room who can't see the guest, <laughs> everybody sinks
1: down a little bit and then turns red. <laughs> right on. All right, Mike, uh, we're going to start off with uh, a new one for you here. So this is going to be an interactive question. I want you to tell us two truths and a lie, and we'll see if Brian and I can spot the one that we think is wrong. All right.
0: I have over 10 gambling apps on my phone. Okay. Wait, are we including Robin
2: Hood in and <laughs> the uh, crypto uh, apps or? Yeah. Okay. He said I mean, over 10. Over 10. So. <laughs> <laughs> that just became my truth. <laughs> okay.
0: Over 10. Uh, I play over 10 instruments. Okay. And I turned down a musical scholarship. Uh, when I was in high school.
1: I do do know you are a musician.
2: (laughs) Two truths and one falsehood. That's right. I'm going to go with uh, 10 gambling apps as falsehood.
0: (laughs) No. My wife wishes that was the case. (laughs) Uh, I'm going
1: to go with the 10 instruments. I know you play a lot, but I I think it's probably under 10. That is accurate. Okay. Nice. How many do you play? (sighs) Whatever. (laughs) Well... (laughs) Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> sure,
0: <laughs> none. <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I would say realistically, I play three instruments. I can dabble in a couple others, um, but I wouldn't say like I grew up playing violin. I started playing when I was four. and Play guitar. I can fumble my way through some piano and mandolin, but outside of that, I don't really do Oof. anything. Else. Can we can we do like a violin intro for? we'll say this episode. Yeah.
2: i would oh, say so that's sort of a Yeah, we're going to change up the intro, <laughs> intro for one episode. <laughs> can you drop the beat with a violin? Yeah, yeah. He's been doing it with his hand on the table the whole time, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can edit that out, but Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty cool thing to play the violin. A lot of people are very impressed. Yeah, I'm I'm one of them.
2: Anybody who can play an instrument's uh impressive and I'm somewhat jealous of. <laughs>
1: I saw a great meme the other day about how learning the recorder in elementary school has had no practical effect to my life whatsoever. It's not like when I'm in angry conversation, I just break out the recorder and start playing Old McDonald and everything gets better. I I, uh, (laughs) remember that
2: specifically that class, my teacher, music teacher sent a, um, they gave us like some kind of musical test on paper and the music teacher sent a letter to my mom saying that I was in the 98th percentile of of all of his schools and he taught at multiple Detroit public elementary schools and, um, then finished the letter by saying, why can't he just learn how to play the song
1: flute? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Man. Uh, what could have been Brian? What could have been?
2: Yep. I could have been the first, uh, famous song flute player
1: yeah. ever. All right. Back to the, uh, the subject at hand here. Ah, shoot. The hot seat. We better stop calling them the rapid fire questions at Yeah, some I point. know, right? <laughs> it never ends up that way. Uh, all right, Mike. So speaking of musical talents, what is your favorite instrument and song to play on said instrument?
0: Ooh. Hmm. Um, I would say that my favorite song uh, to play would be on the, to sing and play on the guitar would be a song called Gray
1: Street by Dave Matthews Band. All right. Right on. Love it. Okay, Uh, what movie can you watch over and over and over again? Wedding Crashers, or uh, if
0: it's more of an action movie, I could watch Gladiator every day. Nice. Yeah,
1: Maximus.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I second both of those. If I'm going on an island and I can
1: take five movies, both of those are coming. Absolutely. All right, Mike, uh, if you weren't working as doing what you are now, what would you be doing? (laughs) Based upon my career trajectory, who knows? it <laughs> would be a
2: lawyer-surgeon.
0: Yeah, no. <laughs> oh if I, yeah. <laughs> um, I think if I could go back, I, I, I think I could get through the school at this point of being a, a lawyer. Uh, I would love to be in the courtroom and, you know, trying cases. I, I do think that would be a great profession.
1: Sidebar question. Can you handle the truth? <laughs> Yes, I can. Okay. All right, let's see here. Um, If you were designing your own superhero costume, what would that look like?
0: (laughs) Oh, man, that seems like a setup. (laughs) Uh, It would probably have a a bow tie, um, suspenders, and some sort of pastel colored pants.
1: All right. (laughs) Bow tie man?
0: Bow tie man, yes. Uh, and doing extraordinarily ordinary things with an unneeded flair.
1: Ooh, I love that tagline. It's fantastic. <laughs> Last time I asked a superhero question, uh, the response from JJ was that he would uh, become the Hulk and destroy things. That would be his gifting. So I'm glad to hear that you'd be doing ordinary things, extraordinarily well-dressed. Is that what it was? More or less. Yeah, like just that? Just with, you know, too much pizzazz. Much less crime involved. Guess, <laughs> we hope. All right, last one for you. Uh, What is something that you value in others? Um, It's gonna feel a little bit too much on the nose, um,
0: but communication skills are something that I I value wholeheartedly. Um, I think people typically communicate um, earnestness and honestness (laughs) um, in those styles. And those are two things that I value. And those typically come through in communication. So some
1: combination of those three things. Very nice. All right, Mike. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Thanks again. Thanks again for having me. Absolutely. If you guys like what you heard and you're interested in more, we are interested in talking to you. We would love to help you with communication, uh, whether you just have some questions or whether you would be interested in joining our team. Uh, Communication is something that we're constantly training on here, uh, both with our office teams as well as our field teams. Obviously, it's a big part of the home services industry because you're often dealing with clients who are in stress and stress never helps communication. So it's a key factor and a key subject that we train on here. So if you want to learn more about that or you want to talk about joining our team, you can find us on WasteNoDay.com, hit us up on Facebook, whatever it is, we'd love to talk to you. Remember that you have the opportunity to, to make your communication better. As Mike said, the the impetus is for you to take hold of that problem and run with it and solve it. Don't wait for the client in front of you to make your communication better. Don't wait for the client in front of you to ask clarifying questions. That's up to you to make sure that you're doing that. And that's something that you can work through every single day. Listen to this podcast. Go back and hear what Mike is saying. There's plenty of other podcasts and information out there on strong communication, and that's definitely something we would encourage you to focus on. But for now, we're calling it a wrap here. Remember, As we always say, you have the opportunity to make the most of every single moment that you have, and you have the opportunity to choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day. This podcast is a production of the South Central Pennsylvania Branch of One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing, and Mr. Sparky Electric.